everybody. <laughs> Welcome back. You know who it is. It's us. That's right. Welcome back to the most favorite, most exciting sports podcast to listen to. Welcome back to the Donald and Donald podcast. <laughs> Baba Shop Sports. Sports, baby. We are coming at you straight off script, giving you a brand new, fresh look at the things you think you already know about that's happening in the sports world today. Go ahead and pull up a chair and let's chop it up. Absolutely. And as always, we got an episode for you that's on fire. Listen, Demo Man. What's going on? Listen, you know we got to talk about them NFL conference final games, baby, with the winner going to the what? That Super Bowl. That's right. Here, right here. AFC Conference Finals, where we're going to start right here. KC, Kansas City Chiefs, beat the Ravens 17 to 10. What happened? Uh, Really, you, you, you come out, you're off to a slow start, and you never picked it up. Uh, you try to force things. They just never could take. First off, great game by both teams. Um, but they just could never take that advantage. They could never take advantage of the opportunities they was presented with when it came time to make the big plays. Because you look at it, yeah, they got up 17-7 at halftime. They came out didn't allow anything else for the rest of the game. What their defense has been doing in these last stretch of games for them. But then the offense just could never seem to click. They'd make the longest run. They was having the longest drives in the game, things like that, but could never cap them off when it mattered. Right. So when I look at this game, right, and I've seen some things. First of all, the, the offensive game plan for the Kansas City Chiefs was immaculate. Okay, let me tell you. First of all, they knew that they had to chop down a very large tree. And they did it one swing at a time. First of all, they gave the ball to the Ravens at the beginning of the game. You see where they was at and where they was playing. You had to take some of that wind and that air out of the crowd. They knew what they was up against. Also, the fact that, hey, let's just be honest about the situation. Their defense was playing better than their offense. It just was what it was. Okay? When they get out there and they started it, didn't nothing come out of that first drive for the Ravens. Okay? It went nada. Okay. Patrick Mahomes come out on the field and everything, right? First thing they did was Patrick made that connection with Kelsey. He wanted to go ahead and get that established early in the game, and he did. They had that underdog mentality the whole entire time. It seemed to me like they was playing a lot of small ball. What you feel? Uh, that's the thing. You come out, you get off to that that start where you you know you're gonna have to stop them eventually. Why not try to do it the first drive of the game? You do that, you come out and you score. You're in a great position, but I honestly want to – Lamar and them came right back. So, at that point, it's still a game. Patrick Mahomes and them, they go back down and score. Um, this is where it starts kind of getting into the point of Lamar and them had to take advantage of what they was doing. They could have been up 20-7 to 7 mm-hmm. going into halftime. It was – I think they was down – it was just – they was down um, in field goal range on their side of the field and went for it on fourth and one, didn't pick it up. They come out, don't take advantage of that. They go around and then end up, you end up half with, I want to say them two penalties against the Ravens, get them into field goal range. They end up kicking. So they get the three points back, but if they would have took that three. It would have been a whole different ball game. You you didn't you wouldn't have even had a chance at all. You know, right. it takes a lot of, especially with the way your offense was playing. Right, exactly. When I take and I think about what took place on the field, man, the first thing that kind of went through my mind is, 
up. First of all, Lamar Jackson, he had 20 of 37 with 272 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Cool. Then he had uh, uh, eight carries for 54 yards. But you remember the last game that the Ravens played? At, ha- at halftime, Le- Lamar came back and pretty much said, I need to take over this game, and I will. I never did see that Lamar Jackson in this game, man. I never seen where he took his legs and took over the game, you know? they they The defensive game plan was to not allow him to break the game with his legs. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of spies. There was a lot of zones. There was a lot of things to where they could have people react if he – he ended up having a result to throw the ball to himself. Mm-hmm. So it was <laughs> exactly they really were emphasizing making him throw the ball or making him hand it off. It it didn't work. Mm-hmm. It worked because and then you look at it that interception. I want to say they lost three fumbles this game. Two fumbles. So that's three turnovers compared to none in a game that was this close. Exactly. Because when you think about penalties and think about turnovers, when you lose that battle, you end up losing the game. But listen, what about uh, Dalvin Cook, man? Didn't they pick him up? I don't even think he hit the field. And you see how how anemic their run game was. They didn't really have one. And like you said, if they had Lamar Jackson in a spy, then that's exactly what it was. You know, so how come they, I mean, did they not see it? Did they not see that, okay, well, let's do something different because they knew that uh, Lamar Jackson had a chance of one. Running. They didn't like. They didn't even do anything to adjust to that. And it's just a thing of sticking with what got them there, and with the game being so close, and with them getting so close to to kicking the door open, it was kind of I I kind of see why you stick to your guns. Mm-hmm. It's just y'all kept you kept getting there, getting there, getting there, but not crossing that line, and soon enough you ran out of time. Right, right. And then you had another opponent against you, which was the clock. You know we got to talk about Zay Flowers, great wide receiver, great wide receiver, but penalties was an issue. Um, I think that it was a situation where you, you kind of need to know how important this game is. You know, when you, you know when he lost that little fumble into the little end zone and everything, whatever the situation is, I think they may have had another chance to get it there uh, so you didn't have to oh, bite that much off the cake. Then, you know what I mean? So It's that, that in the moment thing. He's a young player too. Uh, and it, you know, he, he got on one trying to get enough in the moment. In that moment where the game was, you know, you, you get that I'm going to make a play feeling. And it's one of those freak plays. Shout out to Sneed though. Did get a hand in there, punch it out. That's a great defensive play. Uh, it's one of those 50-50s, and we've seen it a lot this year. Right. I remember in a, in a previous podcast, me and you had talked and chopped it up and everything. You basically said, man, it's a lot It's a lot of defenses that ain't seen the offense of the Ravens. It looked like it was reversed this time. It wasn't a lot of, you know what I'm saying, uh, uh, offenses that seen the Kansas City's defense. And it's <laughs> at this level. Right. Where all they, they know if Pat get a chance, they got you know, they're going to win the game. Now with this defense leaving teams at 10, and the offense, as, as we've seen that can be dynamic as the Ravens. It's, it's scary to think about with the Chiefs. Right. And I was like, I mean, it, it was, and like you say, it, it was a great game, but I kind of went, I, when I was looking at this thing, man, it was just kind of taking me aback. Because we 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 knew uh, what the potential of the game could be in everything. Because when you think about it, just think Ravens all year long, offensive juggernaut. 
it, it was what it was, okay? Uh, it's kind of had that opposite effect. They never did have a bunch of low lows during the season. They didn't really cool off like other teams did. They kept it red smoking hot. But with that, you know we got to chop analysis this thing. With the Ravens and what they did now and what happened, losing that game, retool, rebuild. Oh, you retool that thing. Y'all fine. Okay. Here's what I got to say about that before we go a little bit deeper into that process. This was the game. This was the game, okay, for Lamar Jackson, for LJ. It was. Couldn't get it done. What does that leave him now? Because he well, he could have erased all doubts, man, to me in my mind or took in uh, quiet a bunch of the critics by getting to the game. But they, they, wasn't, able to, they, they wasn't able to get it done, man. This is, this is probably the worst game of the season. <sighs> And it's not a terrible game. It wasn't. That's the thing. So it's not. I think for me, he did answer a lot of what y'all what a lot of questions people had about him. He just ran into that well-oiled machine that is Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City Chiefs. They find ways to win games. You can't give them any creaks in the door, any inklings of hope, because they will find a way to do it. And if you don't come out with your best performance. This is what happens, and they just and that's the thing too. I keep saying it. You take you take that interception that to Isaiah Likely away. You take that dive fumble away. The offensive line protects him better, and that strip sack doesn't happen. This is a whole different game because they didn't play terrible. Right. They did hold that Kansas City Chiefs offense, which as long as they catching the ball, they're a dynamic offense as well. They did hold them to zero for the whole second half on defense. They were making plays to get in position. They just couldn't make that play. Right, right. So um, I know it's a lot of things to be proud of as far as uh, what the Baltimore Ravens uh, was able to achieve and everything. So do you still feel like this was a, a successful season? I don't necessarily know if it was a situation, Super Bowl or bust, but I knew I do know that it was. It could have turned out a whole lot different. And like you say, they didn't play bad. So I guess where would you start with this uh, Baltimore Ravens team in the offseason, man, especially when it comes to maybe, I don't know, the run game, the RB1, the defense, the offensive coordinator? Try to figure out – Try to, and I think their situation is fine because okay. their offense looked good, like we said, most of the season. They didn't have a lot of these down games. So you're fine on that scheme. And we talked about this defensive coordinator. We know he's going to get calls from – but we said it's only two jobs left. We, so you grin your teeth on that, hoping you can keep that together because it did look promising. Now you go into offseason knowing – you don't have a lot you have to fix. Mm-hmm. You got a Mark Andrews, and then you got an Isaiah Likely who came up and stepped up this year when Mark went down. There's, you got Zay Flowers on the outside who had a great rookie year. You only expect him to get better. You figure out what you're doing with running backs. But even you think about running backs. They had some. They had Keaton Mitchell, I want to say is his name, early in the season, who was busting onto the scene. He went down with an injury. Um, so I think it's more – of in the trenches play, which you can always need more at, uh, and then trying to get some um, a corner that secondary depth. Yeah, I got you. Uh, when I think about one more thing about it is, is that Odell Beckham, he kind of had a quiet game, man. You know, I, I do know uh, kind of like uh, what he's able to do when it comes to taking the top off. Uh, he did. I had a catch of souls. He, he done a little bit and everything. But do you think his involvement um, could have been a little bit more? Or they took and they also include him in the game plan when it came to the Kansas City Chiefs? Um, it was just a spread. They were spreading the ball around. I don't, the most catches was 
to Zay Flowers with five, and the next most was Justin Hill out the backfield with four. Mm-hmm. So it was just spreading the ball around you, and that's what you. Lamar Jackson even got a catch, like it, like that's what, <laughs> so it, the ball was just spreading around. Passing to himself, trying to figure, trying to find ways to break through this offense. I mean, break through that Kansas City Chiefs defense last night, and they just couldn't find a way to do it. I got you. Okay, let's go to the NFC, baby. Now this is a very interesting game. This was the total opposite of what the first one was. Now you had the San Francisco 49ers beat them Lions 34-31. My whole thing about it is at halftime, the score was 24-7 in the favor of them Lions, okay? Ask it. Hey, what you think? Um... I thought we was going to get Taylor Swift, Eminem, Super Bowl. <laughs> That's what we was going to be doing. Uh, Think about it. Would have been crazy. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know, man. I really honestly don't know what happened other than the they just stopped playing. Like, they just stopped. I don't want to – and it's not even like they took the foot off the – everything just went downhill for them. It right. seemed like they could not answer once they started – once San Francisco started building a little bit of momentum, started getting a little bit of stops, getting that offense going the way you and it's nobody had amazing it was just everybody doing what everybody does again. Right. Now when I think about this and everything, okay, we know it was twenty four to seven at halftime. We got that part. But it seems to me that San Francisco made the adjustments and the Detroit Lions did not. What am I talking about? It seemed to me like when the Lions came out, the offense went flat. The defense went flat, and we've seen a Brock Purdy that I don't think we've seen a whole lot all year. He used his legs. Yeah. He was evading tackles in the backfield, using his legs. Now, he did have a couple wide receivers with some great catches, and we do this. So some of those balls bounce exactly where they needed to bounce and everything. But how do you feel about Brock's Purdy play in this game? I, I think he plays – and it's something that everybody was asking about, but I think he plays a lot better with his back against the wall. He he has that that mentality of like I think it's just because of being Mr. Irrelevant. Everybody saying you're not nothing. Everybody you're not worth being in MVP talks. You're not an elite quarterback. You you're you're a, a product of your system. All these things, and now he every time he does get down, you can see it the way he starts screaming, the way he starts talking to the players on the team. You, he's a little bit more assertive. He and then in this game started using his legs, things like that. But um, I, I just don't think there's any more questions about Brock Purdy. Right, right. Got one more, though, and we'll talk about it in a second. Somebody got to play the Super Bowl, and they in it. But let me ask you this again. Chop analysis, retool, rebuild for the Lions. And the reason I ask you that first is, first tell me your answer, your, your, the answer to that question, then I'm going to tell you something else. Um, They're a young team, so I think definitely just retooling. Uh, Jared Goff looks to be in the prime of his career, um, and that you got Jameer Gibbs, you got a young wide receiver group, you got that pillar on your defense and Aiden Hutchinson. It's just filling out some more of that defense. Cause, and that's the thing, once that, that and it showed in this game again, once the they see a crack in the ceiling, it, it's not, it's soon when it turns into a flood for this Detroit defense. Mm-hmm. And they got to fix that. Right. When I think about the Detroit Lions and everything they did, they pretty much truly had a Cinderella season. Okay, they did. And uh, they came this far, and I think that's great. Uh, one thing, uh, as far as it goes when it comes to this game, it kind of seemed like they, they went away a little bit from the run game that they was like so successful of with because Dave McGurman had 15 carries. 
for 93. Uh, he had uh, 15 carries, 93 yards and a touch. Uh, Gibbs, he had 12 carries for 45 yards and a touch, but he also had that fumble. Um, they kind of went away from that. So how, how would you feel about addressing? Because it took a long time to get here, man. It took a long time for Detroit to get here. And that's the promising part about what it is. Like I just mentioned, they're a young team. So the building blocks is there, and it's not a lot of, uh, we're going to lose this guy to retire. We got, you know, we got to pay this. A lot of you, these guys is locked up right now. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's trying to take advantage of this window, while, and it's open right now for you. It's yeah. open right now for you. And you answered a lot of questions that we had about you guys early on in the season with what you've done in this playoff run. Right. So you feel Jared Goff is still the quarterback of the future. He's still, you know, that's what they need, right? Yeah, for right now. And then they, they got a guy sitting in that, sitting um, behind him and hitting Hooker, mm-hmm. who I liked coming out in last year's draft. And he was able to recover from an ACL that he suffered at Tennessee. The only reason he dropped to where he did, if he didn't have that injury, he would have been a first-round pick, if you ask me. Um, he's sitting behind a Jerry Goff, seeing this run, being in, you know, being in that locker room with these young guys. So if you ever do have to make that switch, I'm, I feel confident in hitting Hooker, and I'm not even a Detroit fan. I understand completely. When you look at that running back situation and everything, do you think going forward they're going to lean more towards David Montgomery instead of trying to split this thing so much? You know what I mean? I just think what you get from Jameer Gibbs is well to keep him on the field. I just mm-hmm. think you can't. You have to find ways to get him on the field. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense. Well, how about Amonset Brown? He, he, don't you think he needs a little bit more help? Because people can zero in on that when it comes to the wide receiver position on the Lions team and everything. Do you think they need to pull somebody in off the draft or maybe go to F.A.? I think Jamison Williams is going to keep growing as a wide receiver. And then we talked about Sam Laporta, who I think is going to become a bigger part in this. So it's not going to be as easy to lock in on Amon St. Brown. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, we, we'll definitely see. And how about this right here? It's a Super Bowl to be played. All right. Let's go ahead and chop this up. Now you got Kansas City. They looking to try to do a back-to-back type situation and everything. You know what? They took care of the Eagles last last year. Then San Francisco hadn't been here in a quite long time. All right. What do you think is going to prevail in this Super Bowl? The experience of Kansas City or the nothing-to-lose mentality of the San Francisco 49ers? Um, I don't even think it's the nothing-to-lose of the 49ers. It's the can we finish, can we finish the story, get over the hump. For the 49ers, even going back to the Colin Kaepernick, see, the, the era, it seems like they could never get over that hump. And it's not like the, the Cowboys getting over the hump of just winning the playoff game. This is winning the last two. It just seems they can't ever get past these last two. They got here again this year, but they're running into that monster that is their Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is the guy. And it, and it seems like whoever's going to be the next guy, you're going to have to beat this man. It's inevitable. He's going to be here. Is 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 no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, but with that being, after those, coming out of those last two games, the Kansas City Chiefs looks like the better team just because of what they was able to do all game with that defense. And we know what Patrick Mahomes can do. 
And his receiver seems to be catching the ball, too, as well. That's what I was going to ask you about, because it seemed to me like the receivers have started to catch the ball more and everything, because I really don't think uh, that uh, Patrick Mahomes has, has deviated from his game that much. He, he still, Patrick Mahomes is who he is. He uh, he just needed a little bit more help when it came to the uh, offensive side of the ball, when it comes to his receivers and everything. Yeah, and, that's, and that was a big play um, at the end of the game against the Ravens. I think it was third and nine, right before two-minute warning. Um, you trying to get off the field. Big play for Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who earlier in the season dropped the game winner. So it shows just that keep going, keep going, and believing in your believing in your guys on both sides of that. Believing in Patrick Mahomes that he's not going to give up on you. And Patrick, you know, not giving up on him. So, and I think this is, he's going he's gonna to have them understanding in the moment. Mm-hmm. He's going to have them understanding what it means in Honestly, I think he's. I don't think Patrick's gonna be the one to say it, but I think he's in that LeBron mode of I'm chasing a ghost. I, I'm chasing something. I'm trying to have my name already be established as one of them greats. Right. And I got you. Do you feel like the 49ers defense? And and I can't even believe that I'm really uh, putting it this way because you know the slow start that the Kansas City offense had at the beginning of the season you know a lot of new moving parts and everything couldn't really get it right we never really questioned the Kansas City defense all year long you know Chris Jones he finally came in there and everything missed a little bit but it is what it is still end up being a great defense and it still is to this day but my thing is do you feel the 49ers defense will be able to neutralize the Kansas City offense I think it's gonna have to start up front and that, that's I think that's simple to say, but honestly, I think they're I like Charvis Ward on the outside for um, San Francisco. I like Fred Warner, you know. I like Dre Greenlaw. I like all these guys. Trent Williams. Trent, you know. But I'm saying it's gonna have to start up front with the exterior. Bosa and Young, I think, is gonna have to have a big game. They're gonna have to get home a couple times, and they're gonna have to. It's gonna. They're gonna have to apply a lot of pressure to Patrick Mahomes. And I know Patrick can make those magician plays, but I'd rather live up with him making those position magician plays and just letting him sit there and be comfortable. And with what these the system the system these Chiefs have is not like you can go out there and isolate a MVS, a receiver Rice. These we gonna get it to whoever's open. Pacheco is gonna get the ball. He's gonna run angry. I think you gotta just legit, just limit whatever you can with your pressure, whether it's in the run game or whether it's causing quarterback pressure. I got you. Now, when you look at this matchup and everything, great matchup. It, it, it really, really is. And seeing that the Kansas City Chiefs was able to neutralize that Baltimore Ravens defense, all right, and then also you had on the flip side of the situation and everything where the 49ers was able to take and come out and do what they was able to do, uh, being down, coming from behind. Uh, because, you know, I know for a long time during this season, uh, it was very, very high on the 49ers and what they was taking and able to do. Uh, my thing is, who wins this game why? It's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes, but I think it's a it's not a passing of the torch moment, but it's just one of those we're coming to take it. And I think the 49ers find a way to take it. I think they find a way to take it. I think they 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 do enough. And it's not I know every time I went against I think it's three rounds in a row now I don't win against this man Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing like I'm, I'm rooting for him to lose. It's nothing like I want to just see the Chiefs not win it. I just think, and I, 
I've been wrong. I'm not saying I'm not gonna be wrong in this Super Bowl matchup. This is the better. T- this though, the Ravens I still think had the best chance to do it with what Lamar Jackson and them could do. They just with their they beat themselves a lot of that game with their turnovers, penalties, and cuts times, things like that. Talent wise, and what they can do as far as scheming and things like that, they have the best opportunity. The, the 49ers do and I think they have that we gotta get over the hump Kyle Shanahan has to get over the hump all these questions on all this praise that you got early on you still haven't done that thing yet it's looked nice it's looked all that you gotta put the bow on it and I'm not that's just my pick and it's not a definite I'm not cause I know who Patrick Mahomes is I'm not a I'm not a fool Mm-hmm. I know who Patrick Mahomes is, and I know his track record. He gives you a chance to win every single I game, and we know record. that. And we just spoke about how this is probably the best defense that he's probably played with. I understand that. If the if the 49ers do with their best game, and that's all we can think of from both sides, the best game, I just think the 49ers can walk off that battlefield with a dub. I got you. I got you. Is this going to be a situation where you feel like the 49ers are going to have to get a quick a quicker start than they did this last game? Because I don't know whether or not Patrick Mahomes is going to allow them to take and have that kind of comeback in the same exact situation. Yeah, you can't. You And that's the thing that we've seen with in the last round that the Chiefs won. You can't. And it doesn't matter if it is a 14-7 lead. You can't give them that. Mm-hmm. They're going to take advantage of everything while – you're gonna you're gonna feel that pressure because you're going up against that monster. Right. So you got to come out early. You got to kind of take some pressure off yourself, whether it is getting an early stop or getting on the board a couple times. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, and I think we discussed this before, who you feel has the now? You know, the quarterback position is the most glorified position. It's also the only position that's involved in every single play. Who, but who do you feel has the most pressure again, the quarterback or the kicker? Um, I think in this game, I think it's going to come down to a kick. Mm-hmm. I think it's honestly going to come down to a kick, and it's the biggest stage of them all. And them is a them is that's a I just feel for kickers because you are on the island, and that's just one where it's literally all eyes on you. It's all eyes on you, and we understand things can go wrong, but a lot of the times. People just blame the kicker. It doesn't matter if the snap was fumbled. The snap is kicker's fault. Right. And the reason I bring it up and everything is because, you know, it was a missed kick from the 49ers kicker in that game. And this game right here, every single point counts. Do you feel going into this game, no matter which team it is and everything, do you feel like it's going to be a lot of fourth and one go? Or it's going to be a lot of, if we in field goal position, let's kick it. Just because of who these two coaches are and what – what they have on offense, one being the weapons you have, the other being the quarterback you have, I think it's going to be a lot of fourth and, fourth and let's go. Okay, okay. That's very interesting because you know they can go either way. And we always talk about uh, penalties. We always talk about turnovers. But we got to talk about that T.O.P., baby, the time of possession. All right. So with them long drives, it gives the other offense or defense to rest and everything. And I feel that's going to come down to a key in the game as well. Oh, yeah. That's that's the same thing I was saying about the Chiefs. Uh, last, it's the same situation. Don't turn over the ball um, and take try to make extended drives, not the big shot plays. Uh, Yales is great if they're there, take them. 
But I think the longer extended drives is what's going to win you this game. Absolutely. And before we go on to our next segment and everything, go ahead and give me a score for the Super Bowl, baby. Um, I'm going to go 28-24-49. All right, man. Can't wait to see it and then chop that up. Hey, how about this right here, baby? Let's talk about them men's college hoops, daddy. All right, had a great weekend. They went straight bananas. Listen, uh, you got the class of the Titans in the ACC. You took in the Houston squad said, hey, we here. And guess what? You ain't in Kansas no more. All right? Let's start it right here, though. We had a game that went to three OTs, three overtimes, baby. TCU edged out Baylor 105 to 102. Now, when you look at this whole entire game and everything, the first thing that stood out to me is when it came to the Baylor side of things, you had three starters that was in double digits. But it seemed to me like the callus of this whole thing was the 30 points off the pine by Nelson for TCU. Yeah, uh... You you don't expect that. <laughs> you, you probably, that's, probably, that's, that's not in the game plan. <laughs> Didn't see that one. Yeah, that's not in the game plan. <laughs> um, but I know you take it. Absolutely, you, you definitely take it. it. It's just, uh, and you fought. Don't the rest Baylor fought. They they fought to the end, but that's just that little extra that put them over the edge as far as TCU did. Three overtimes where I know they was tied, and that probably um, contributed to his thirty points coming off the bench. He had he had a little extra legs up under him. Granted, he had the most minutes. Mm-hmm. Other than I see Miller had fifty three, played with fifty three. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's crazy, right? He was one of the freshest guys on the court. Yeah, so, yeah, I think that played. <laughs> It played a, a big factor in it. You're absolutely right. Now, listen, you know you know, we have already talked about these boys down in Houston, baby. With only two losses on the season and everything, okay? They took care of K-State, a 74-52. to 52. You had even scoring when it came to Houston, man. But you're really don't going to have to take a real close look at the defense holding K-State to 52 points. Yeah. I think that's the they're, – they're just a grinded-out team, find a way to win. And when you got the, when you have this amount of talent on your team with that attitude, it, it leads to where you're at now. Right. And I like the team mentality that Houston comes with because it's no standout, standout. Like you say, it's a group and team effort. Roberts gave them 14. She gave them 17. Dunn gave them 13. And everything else kind of went in between everybody else. It's kind of like if I see a shot and it's open, I'm going to take it. I'm going to go ahead and grab a couple of rips, try to give us a couple of little uh, extra possessions and everything, and then I'm going to lock you down. Yeah, they got 11 steals in this game. So mm-hmm. It just shows the emphasis that they put on pressure in the ball. Absolutely, baby. Listen, now their next game is tonight. You got Houston against Texas. Now, think about this thing. Now, Texas, they came off a, a loss on their last game, losing to BYU 84-72. to So, Texas is going to come in here with something to prove and everything, all right? And like you said, I don't think Houston is no longer flying under the radar. How you think that thing going to chop up and turn out? I don't know. Conference game, you're going up against the top four team in the, in the country. Um, Texas is going to come out trying to make a statement. They're going to try to come out and make a statement. Um, and it's at home. Uh, they're 10-2 at home. So they, they take pride in playing there. And I'm pretty sure 
that arena is going to be packed. It's a long start state rivalry. Everything big in Texas. It is. So, um, I think you're going to get a game. Starting with the state. You're going to <laughs> You're going to get It's going to be a big game um, Texas is just going to have to come out and, and take care of the ball Number one And just match that team effort mm-hmm. That they're going to see from Houston I think it's going to be a great game baby Must see TV Listen man Kansas lost to Iowa State 79-75 When you think of Kansas The first thing you think is is a college basketball juggernaut, all right? But it looked like in this game, Kansas was suffering from LPP, baby. Low pine production. What's going on? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Um, Maybe they are more top-heavy this year, and, and we've seen people pay the price for that, especially in these close games when other teams are getting an extra 18 points off of their bench mm-hmm. compared to year two. Um. We this is how this is a losing recipe for closing games and especially an Iowa State coming in sixteen to four saying they're not a slouch over team despite the the difference in ranking right like I, and I think that's the thing too the the talent in college basketball this year is a lot closer than it's been in past years it's not a lot of one team's far in the head better than anybody else. And what do you feel that is a direct result from what? Why is that? Why is it so even right now? People people more willing to go to different programs. Um, for example, Rutgers in this next class, I think it has two of the top players in their position. Hadn't heard that name in a while. And it's just people it is just going against the system, going mm-hmm. not doing the regular like we've seen People's committing now to the USC's in the basketball worlds. We get we're getting big commitments to um, like Florida State's people, Auburn um, with added Halloway. I think who's one of the better freshmen in the nation. Um, things like that, and then the transfer portal. People coming together. We're well happened in North Carolina. Um, people coming together with a common goal of we just want to win. Mm-hmm. The, Pros is still our dream, but now we just want to win more than anything. Absolutely. Listen, here's one thing about it, though. I'm glad you said UNC because we love them. But listen, this game was close. All right, UNC topped off uh, Florida State 75-68. Listen, Hubert Davis had to step into them boys, okay? It was a situation, man, that he was like, hey, we can't keep doing what we're doing. Uh, they, was ha- they was allowing them to hang around way too long. I need you to see- tell me what you saw in this game, man, that ultimately allowed UNC to beat Florida State. Um, Just first off, the chemistry on this team is what makes us so good. Um, and like I just touched on right right before this, they all have a common goal. We just want to win. We just want to win. They yeah, you got R.J. Davis. Who that's just his game. He's he's a scorer. That's just his game. But everybody else buys into everything else. You know, they buy into just what they're there for. Especially on the defensive side of the ball. Everybody gives an extra effort on that side of the ball this year. And Armando Baycott, I know we asked for him to make a bigger statement, but I think it's a it's a testament to him too that he's willing to take this back seat. Cause it is resulting in wins, letting RJ and these guards more 
do their thing on the outside and he just be that rim protector. I'll get I'll do the dirty work, get the offensive defensive rebounds. I think he's the um he just reached a thousand offensive rebounds this year. So I wanna say he's the first Tar Hill to reach that mark. It that's what makes this team special. You get Harrison Ingram in this game. He didn't shoot well well, actually he did, four for eight, but he was three for four from the three point range and he kicked in seventeen rebounds. Double double, seventeen thirteen. You know Elliot Cadeau, who I was saying earlier in the season, was taking on that floor general role in the last three, four games has become more aggressive. I think he's averaging around 12 and 5. He's becoming more aggressive of calling his own number. And that's just going to lead to even more dynamic. With It's going to lead to another dynamic with this offense. As far as, And I've seen it in this game. When it was close, he was able to be a threat driving to the basket, kicking out to uh, Cormac Ryan, who's getting it going as we get further into the league, and he's going to be a big part of this team with his three-point shot. So, another thing, it's early on, and it's a still a building process, but it looks great as, you know, while we're building it. So, I can't wait until this at the end of the season. We got a big test coming up this weekend. Uh, you know, it's that Cotton Roll rivalry mm-hmm. Saturday against Duke. So, Another big chance to make, and we haven't. This is the game where we haven't made that statement yet. Yeah, right. we've been consistent. We've we're ranked three right now because we've been consistent. We somewhere one of the better teams, but we talked about those three losses. Who those three losses were to? Two of them is against. I think still t- top ten teams right now. Right. It's another chance to knock one off. Can we get it done? Exactly. Now, when you think about it, man, absolutely. When I think about that and everything, uh, it was a situation that felt to me like Hubert Davis was in tournament mode, man. I think he knew what was coming up this weekend, and he needed to get the point across to his players in this particular game uh, because you know how successful uh, Hubert Davis was in his first year. We know where he went and everything. They couldn't get it done. But I think he wanted to get uh, back to that mountaintop and then finish the job, just go around. Yeah, Um. He and I don't think – He's won an ACC championship yet. I don't think he's won an ACC regular season championship yet. He His run was sustained uh, a sustained regular season where they looked good and then a magical run in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Then next season, we know what happened. It didn't look as good, and it was a, it was a disappointment. It was a disappointing season. This year, I think he's come back into with a redefined purpose of, like you said, getting back to that mountaintop, but also checking off those smaller goals as well. Right. Beating a Duke. Not even sweeping a Duke. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we, like you said, the intensity he was bringing in this game, I think tomorrow against Georgia Tech, you'll see it again. Because these are games he don't want you to slack off in going into a Duke game. Right, right. We need to be on 10 every day until Saturday. And I'm practice, walkthroughs, shoot-arounds, fair room. Everything needs to be detailed, and that showed in this game. It's, uh, absolutely it did. Now, when you think about it, because we done already mentioned Duke, uh, Duke uh, got, first of all, one of the hardest things to do in college, men's college football period, is to play at Cameron Indoor Stadium. It's 
hot in there, okay, for one. <laughs> they real close to you, all right, in the rims are their rims. Uh, now, but uh, Clemson, they gave them a mad run for their money, all right? Duke edged this thing out, and I think it ended up with free throws at the end of this game, uh, Duke 72-71. Now, tell me about the resiliency of Clemson, but also how Duke didn't allow a team to get to 80, because, you know, they get to 80, they lose anyway. Yeah, um... Clemson, I think, is a good basketball team waiting to be great. They're a good basketball team waiting to be great. They got a leader in P.J. Hall, and he gives that that, that effort. And it's, and it's where they find their identity in the way he plays the game, the way he approaches the game. They're always, not talking about the 10, they're always going to be in it until the very end. Um, whether it just falls apart or whether they not – they don't get it going early. They just keep fighting. It's not a team that just lays down. Um, they just haven't found a way to win these bigger games. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, we know about how tough it is in the ACC. Right. Uh, so kudos to them, though. Great game. You just wish it would have went in your favor, a couple more baskets, anything like that. Um, and as far as Duke, they're, they're a team, like you said, below 80 in a defensive grinded out style game, they're that twelve round prize boxer with a with a glass jaw. Mm-hmm. He, he he's the yeah he can go twelve rounds and put on the most tactical boxing match you've ever seen. But if you're able to get to that chin, you take, if he get you get that one though, you just get <laughs> one, and it can it can be a first round knockout. <laughs> and that's just where they're all right now, and it. I don't know what it is. They went. They got the talent. That's the thing. They they they're always gonna have the talent. Who are you guys as mm. far as a team, though? Right, right. So go ahead and uh, uh, give me a little uh, eye test and a little preview on that uh, UNC Duke game, baby. Well, uh, how, how you feel that thing gonna pan out? Oh yeah, I think this year is our year. Okay. Honestly, I just think as a team. We're we're just a better team. Talent for talent, you go down that roster, of course, they probably have the names. But I just think, like I said, we found our identity. We know who we are, and we know how we win games. I think Duke is still struggling to find that. And also, we got guys who, yeah, you got two-year guys, guys who've been in the, you know, we got guys who've had this blue jersey on for three, four years now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it it's gonna mean a lot more. Right. R.J. Davis is gonna be his first time going in without his right hand man Caleb Love. It's gonna mean a little bit more. Armando Baycott, he's going up against, you know, Kyle Flipowski, a, a projected lottery guy. Ever since he's touched in the Duke, Armando Baycott has to grind and make his name established in that care. It's gonna mean a little bit more. Hubie Davis. Uh, you know, he's coming with all these questions and all these people doubting him and things like that. John Shire, prodigal son. It's going to mean a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. All right, give me an X factor, man. Give me an X factor on the player that's probably going to have to make it uh, uh, swing that bat just a little bit harder when it comes to UNC in this particular game because this is like one of the most watched games, okay, most one of the most anticipated games, one of the biggest rivalries in men's college basketball, period. North Carolina Duke, tell me that X factor you got in your head. 
I think it's gonna be the freshman. Okay, Cadeau. All right. I think he's gonna have to do more of the scoring load efficiently as well as distribute the ball. R.J. Davis, of course, he's that. We gonna need him to play his game. Mm-hmm. Get your get yours. Like we understand that, but as far as just getting everything else going offensively for us, I think Elliot Cadeau is gonna have to play a big role in this game. Okay, and when you think about it and everything, when it comes to Hubert Davis and his coaching style and everything or whatever, he's been reluctant to do it in the past. Talk about the iron five, keep it where it's set, let's try to win this way. How far you think he's going to actually, or how far do you think he's willing to go down the bench? He he gives, now I will say this, this year he's giving them guys chances. It's not the, the, the 10, 15, 20 minutes that a lot of people probably would want, but if if you're making the plays, because we've seen it with Jalen Withers against that Louisville team. He came off the bench, was doing his thing. He got a lot of play time. Seth Trimble, when he when he's doing what he does defensively and it leads to fast break points for us, he stays on the floor. Um, uh, Got to go back. It's another guy. Uh, but all these guys, once if they're contributing in a way, they get chances. So I expect him to touch the floor, and a guy off the bench I think will have is Jalen Withers mm-hmm. with his athleticism and what he can do on both sides of the floor. Off the bench, I would like to see him and Seth Trimble get some of that run because of Seth Trimble's defensive capabilities. I hope they get a chance to impact the game because I think they would do it in a positive manner. Absolutely. Listen, go ahead and give me a UNC Duke score. Who winning that thing? Oh, you want to see walking out of there with a W. I'm going to go um, 83-77. Okay. All right. That's a pretty high scoring scoring game there, you know? Yeah, that's because I'm telling you, it's going to mean a little bit more. <laughs> and there it that's is. That's my model for the rest of the week. <laughs> it, means, it means more. <laughs> I love it. All right. Now, when you think about Kentucky, great, great school and everything, uh, a great organization and, and, and all those good things that you want to add to it, uh, program when it comes to basketball and all that. Now, now, Kentucky took care of Arkansas, 63 to 57. Now, when I think about it and everything, Reeves, he's balling out of control. Mitchell, he's adding his and Shepard, he's doing the same as well, 24, 14 and 10. We hadn't talked a whole lot about Kentucky and everything, but, uh, uh, how bright is their future? Um, they're another team who, not quite to the point of a Duke, but they kind of flustered as well as from what do you see night from night, from, night to night from them. And it's kind of, and that's the thing I, I kind of harp on that sport by talent. Um, they do have a lot of talent on this team, a lot of mouths to feed, a lot of guys who are trying to get to that next level. Who you know. Winning now really isn't their main focus, and it's understandable. But they, with that being said, the talent and things that they do have can lead to them squeaking out a 63-57 even though it shouldn't have been that close. That's what I'm saying. It shouldn't have been that close, especially coming off of a loss against South Carolina where you got a 17-point loss to them is is, is a whooping. Mm-hmm. So that's when it comes to that, it's just like, where are they heads at? What's the priorities? And how much does it mean? Right, some right. some of these other teams, it means more. I'm, 
I'm going to keep finding ways to say it. Okay, well, keep it up and everything. And one more thing before we go to the next game is when you think about Kentucky, you think about a, a, a basically a NBA-type, professional-type system. It, it, it's ran at a very, very high level and everything. So I'm guessing with all that being said, if they're able to stick to that, stick to them winning ways and everything, they should be just fine. How about uh, Tennessee? Uh, Tennessee uh, beat uh, Vanderbilt uh, this day 75-62. to 62. Now, when you look at Tennessee and everything, okay, my man, man hey, 32 points, 12, 10, and it, and, it, and it looks like it's a situation where um, uh, Tennessee is flying just a little bit low, uh, but they're still making everything take place. Um, they got they got a guy. I've never been able to connect them, mm-hmm. who's I want to. He should be in running for one player of the year. Okay, he's he's a dynamic player. So they they got a guy. And if you look at a lot of their games, you see he is the guy on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he gets a little, when he gets these games where he gets 10, 12, another ten off the bench, it makes it easier for them to find ways to win. And that's that's just what they're doing right now. Winning winning the games that they're supposed to win and staying right in this range of the top teams in the nation. Yeah, I got you on that. Now, how about the number one team in the country right now with UConn? Man, there was one point from hanging a Benjamin on Xavier, man. Uh, UConn 99, Xavier 56. When you look at this UConn team, man, and everything, Newton is doing this thing. Castle is doing this thing. Ball is doing this thing, okay? And it looked like they got a good, nice little distribution out throughout the whole entire team. Uh, but they up there, and they seem to be holding fast to it. Yeah, uh, I want to say this was eight in a row for them. Um, only team I know with a longer win streak right now is Carolina with 10. So I'm not, I'm not too sure about what took them so long to recognize mm-hmm. that they should be number one team in the nation um, just because of like, like they're coming off a championship. They're coming off getting it done. And early on, they they were these this same team. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they just got it rolling. I, they got a hold of it, and I just don't think they're going to let it go. Right, right. I got you. Listen, now we already talked about the game to watch when it comes to Houston and uh, Texas. Going to be a great game. I already know that off rip. Uh, the other thing about it is Duke and Virginia Tech. How you feel about this warm-up game before they get to UNC? Um, they got to figure some things out, mm-hmm. but they should be able to take care of business um, as long as they come out and just play a good brand of basketball. They should be fine. Do you think this game need to be close at all, or do you think they need to go ahead and step on the gas and just run away? Um, and do they cap- have the capability of running away? Uh, with the guys they got on that team, of course, they got the capability of doing it. Um, and just from the perspective of going into the biggest game of the year, mm-hmm. you have to. You don't want to play around at all. You, you want your sneakers smoked. Like we were just talking about with uh, UNC going into Georgia Tech, going into the Duke game. It's I don't want to have to have worries about who am I, who I got showing up to the game Saturday. Mm-hmm. I want to know what y'all guys is locked in, and I want to see it. No better time to see it than in the game. So do you feel like uh, this is the game uh, that uh, Duke has to find their identity? This is the game. Um Ideally, yes. Mm-hmm. Ideally, yes. Uh, realistically, the season got a little bit longer to get through, um, and you're gonna get into that thick of the ACC right into that tournament. You know all those things, but ideally, yes. 
cool. Got to see it. Got to watch it. All right, people. Up next in the association, Batman turns 73. Booker turns around and says, look at me. The Bucks got a new driver that's trying to turn the key. And my man Wimby is on the brink of making history. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. Don't miss it. about these games and developments in the NBA, but I got a question for you, and it's a real important one. I need you to chop it up. What's going on? Have the players and the team of the Charlotte Hornets finally given up on the head coach, Steve Clifford? Is it over? Have they given up on them? You know what I'm saying? First of all, you take and you play the Rockets. They're coming off back-to-back losses and everything. You take, you get blew up by the Rockets, 34 138 to 104. Then you take, you lose to the Jazz, 134, 122. Only thing they're adding to is the loss column, not the win. Still holding on to 10. Uh, I think they just gave up on playing basketball at this point. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how you fix it. Um, it it's bad. It's just bad. They went downhill since the trade. Yeah, it's just bad. Uh, I mean... Bad trade. They never start going up to here. I know, but they got worse. <laughs> they they got worse. worse. That's what I'm saying. They got worse. They, I, with them, it is what it is at this point. Um, Lamelo Ball, like he's, he was there for the Rockers game. Game was 15. Uh, next game, he was out. This is just the routine with the Hornets at this point. Um, losing and a rotating door as far as who's on the floor, and I expect. At that coach's position as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I take it when I look at those two games and everything, it, it's, it's a couple of things that kind of stand out to me. Uh, the biggest thing that kind of stand out to me is in this loss to uh, the Utah Jazz. P.J. Washington came off the bench, and he outscored four out of the five starters. Okay? Uh, again, you got a situation and everything can't get right. Yeah. Um, and that's – like we said, the revolving door. Who was on? The, that's like I said. It's routine at this point. I got yeah. you. Well, listen, we're gonna do this right here. Ask this right here. We'll move on to the next one. Do Steve Clifford make it to the end of the season? No. I mean, I don't think so. But with the Hornets, who knows? They don't like to do. Like we said, they don't like to pull the trigger on things. Mm-hmm. Um. So he might ride out to the season, and they go and they figure it out in the off season. But I just don't see how you're fine with what's going on. Mm-hmm. Who's still out there that can coach this team? Uh, uh, you know. I and- could coach this team. <laughs> but, um, Give him a call. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it has to be somebody. Just it's find anybody. Honestly. Mm. Call, and I still, I'll say this. Call Mark Jackson, man. See how he feels about coming back to coaching. Mm. Um, it could not hurt. Call James Borrego. Because he figured out something with this team. He kept them at 500 at least. And they, I think that was the last time they went to any kind of postseason activity. So, it's, it's, it has to be somebody. Even if Steve Kerr 
leaves the Warriors. It, I'm fine with them calling Steve. <laughs> That's a little bit of a stretch. But, but I got to say it. Whatever happens, just y'all need to make it. Adrian Griffin in. Oh, yeah. yeah Call yeah. him. Exactly. He had his team at 30 and 13 before they let him go. All right. Check this out. Headband Luca, baby. Scored 73. Okay. He did what he did. Got that double-double. 73 points and 10 rips. All right. Now, when you think about this game right here and everything, uh, apparently nobody wants to play defense no more. <laughs> Mass beat the Hawks 148 to 143. And this game was way closer than it probably needed to be, seeing that this man done put up 70 and some change on you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because when you think about it, Trey Young, he didn't have a bad game. He had a double double with 30 points and 11 rips himself. Okay. Johnson 25. Capella showed up. Murray had 22. Bay had 16. All right. So, how you feel about it? First of all, congratulations to Luca. Headband Luca. All in the building. Did a great job. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Seen that one Joel Embiid, what he did, say, let me go ahead and top it right quick. But how you feel about the results? Um Because that man was tired after this game. Uh, yeah, he 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 went to the bubble by Exhausted. But um <laughs> it it was like we, we talked about it. Um I think I had picked the Atlanta Hawks to win this game. I think I said Trey Young was gonna have a big game. Um I think I even mentioned how Luka is able to go off and carry a team to a victory. I just didn't know that he packed up the Mavericks in his jazz sport that night. I didn't know <laughs> that, that what he had in that duffel bag when he walked into the arena. I just didn't know he had the whole team in his backpack. Right. But um, <laughs> and, and just it's one of those games where they made enough plays around him as well. Because you did get 21 from uh, Josh Green. Mm-hmm. And then off the bench, you got 13 from Tim Hardaway. So you, you got enough. Derek Lively almost had this double-double. Um, everybody chipped in something, too, as well. So you got enough to win a close game like this. And what kept the uh, Hawks in it is that everybody as well, you know, for the most part, everybody chipped in. Except for one guy, uh, Patty Mills, mm-hmm. who he didn't even attempt the shot. He didn't do nothing. Right, right. Now think, now think about this. Now, all right, you remember when Joel Embiid he got his seven and everything? What happened the next game? They lost it. Yeah. All right. Well, guess what happened this next game? The Mavs lost their next game and got beat by the Kings, one twenty to one fifteen. Uh, the X factor in this whole situation is Kyrie Irving and his health. You see what I mean? Yeah. Because other than that, they're just going to be a great team to watch during the regular season and everything, man. Kyrie going to have to stay healthy this season for them to make any kind of noise, man, because this is supposed to be the situation we're supposed to see what Batman and Robin can do. Yeah. Uh, and that's just – it's just tough without having him here because um, it is a lot to ask from Luka, uh, especially with – put up, he just put up 73 on a great shooting – you know, come out and it's a back-to-back. So he, he tried to keep him in it, just they ran out of gas, and this was the game where he didn't get enough help mm-hmm. around him. Mm-hmm. He didn't do enough. Right. I don't know for some It's crazy to say with a 28-17-10 and 10 game <laughs> that I didn't do enough. But. Was that a triple-double? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, for me, it seems to kind of be like deja vu. Well, what am I talking about? Okay, the last person to score 60 points and some change and everything was the T-Wolves against the Charlotte Hornets, and they lost. Well, uh, well guess what? Okay, uh, Booker has 62, all right, where 
the Pacers played the Suns, and guess what? The Suns lost to the Pacers, one thirty-three to one thirty-one. Of course, we know Tyrese Halliburton. He, he, you know, he's taking nursing an injury. We get that part, but uh, you know, these big numbers they fun to watch. But ain't at the end of the day, you want to win. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, it, I think it's a fifty-fifty thing when it comes to that. Um. Because you you, you take a lot of shots to get to where you, you where you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when it comes time for somebody else to step up and make a shot, especially when you're dealing with a Bradley Bill who hasn't been playing basketball all season, so he's standing around watching Devin Booker go get his, um, that leads to them going five for 13. Right. So things like that. But around them still, you got great games around them. Just as a team, you got outplayed. Yeah. KD only had 20 this night. For him, that's low production. Uh, but let's talk about the Pacers that did win the game. Pascal Siakam had a great game with 31 points. Neesmith had 22. Uh, Buddy Hill, he had a slow night, but topping. Murray and Smith, all those was in double digits with 23, 11, and 13. Yeah, another 22 was Aaron Nimhard. So mm-hmm. it's just people stepped up. And that's the thing that we've learned about the Pacers. Uh, it's not a one-guy show. Mm-hmm. As long as as yes, Tyrese Halliburton was like the the gear for that. He was the ignition for this team. They did it as a team. They did it communitively. So it was just, and that's what's gonna keep them winning games because it's not that. Or if this guy don't show up, we don't have a chance. Right. It seemed to me now, man, and, and, you know, tell me what your eye test reveals. Seems to me like Pascal Siakam is playing with a chip on his shoulder. He said, I got you. Watch me work. Um, It's, it's a little bit more purpose to to the games now. And and that goes a long way. Just going from the situation you were in in Toronto to now being in Indiana who's Looked like one of the better teams early on in the season. You've seen what they can do offensively. Now, can you be that missing piece and help this team get over the hump? What you did, you know, when you weren't helping piece with that Kawhi Leonard team getting to that championship, doing that, you're back in a fighting situation. And also, that team gave up on you. you yeah. know, that, that, that don't hurt at all. So Think about it. It, it means. <laughs> Listen, there you go. Love it. Popped it in again. Listen, um, um, when I think about this man, it, it just seemed to me like he settled in so quickly. You know, it, it, it don't seem like it was any kind of downtime. He kind of got used to what was going on, uh, took and really had chemistry building with his teammates very quickly. And uh, he, his pump production is, is out of control right yeah, now. Yeah, um, I'm not saying that I, I've ever went to lunch with Pascal Siakam. But it seems his game matches his personality. Mm-hmm. From the outside looking in, he seems to be a more quiet, reserved guy. And his game is that as well. Quiet buckets. Like, I didn't watch this game, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't the loud 30 points that you're used to a guy getting where it's a lot of the highlight plays, a lot of, oh, the oohs and the ahs. Just going about, about his work? It was just... Playing the game. Yeah, and I love it. Now, the Clippers, the OKC, they winning. Uh, you take, you got the Grizz, they edged out the Magic by one. But I want to talk about this one because you know I'm on Wimby Watch. It's a couple things that, can, can, uh, that took in place with this uh, that's really done grab my attention. First of all, uh, the San Antonio Spurs win back-to-back, all right? They took care of the Trailblazers, 116 to 100, and then they took care of the T-Wolves, edged them out by one. T-Wolves is a very good team, beat 
did 113 to 112. But we're going to talk about Wimby in a second. Let's talk about what did you, what do you see? What came of this whole thing? I need the scoop Henderson report, okay? Because I think in this game, man, what did he have? Six points? Mm-hmm. Not good. Yeah. Um, forget the six points. He had six minutes off the bench. So is that – that's a telltale in itself, all in itself. Is this experiment already over? Unless it's something that we don't know as far as injury. But, but you brought him off the bench for six minutes. That means he's not hurt. Mm-hmm. What happened? Mm-hmm. What happened? And, and are you guys giving up on him as your star? Anthony Simons is your guard going forward. I think, and that's kind of, you, you, you put yourselves in a tricky position there anyway. Because Simon's already showed that he was a good guard alongside Damian Lillard. You guys go get a guy who essentially plays the same position. That's why the Hornets passed up on Scoop. You went and essentially got a guy in the same position who does essentially the same thing, which is score the ball. They might do it in two different ways, but it's score the ball. Um, That means they need the ball. And with Scoop not transitioning as well as people would have hoped or as well as people would have thought, and then this is the result of what's going on. You, I mean, something has to be done. Whether it's move, be be fine with moving him to the G League and letting him develop. Because sitting him on the bench for six minutes, I mean, you know, letting him play for six minutes is doing nothing to better this situation. They had dropped him down to the G League before and bring him back up. Then you talk about dropping him again and everything, or totally moving on from him. Um, I don't think I just that third overall pick is a high investment. Mm-hmm. Um. If is I, it a rookie having a rookie season? This is... There's something different. It just yeah, got a different field on it. Yeah, it's something different here. It's something... Di- you know, Scoop came out. He, I ain't never seen him wear goggles while he played basketball before. Somewhere in this middle of the season, he started wearing goggles. So it's things like that that's just... I'm not exactly sure mm-hmm. what's... Then you look at this game. What's going on? Exactly. I hope they have a chance to figure it out. But you know I'm on Wimby Watch and everything. And when I'm on Wimby Watch, that's what I do. Now, listen. uh, Double-double. Love them. 23 points with 12 rips in that game. The next game and everything. uh, Looks just taking... I don't even think he played the next game. Yeah. (laughs) And and they still won by one point against the T-Wolves. Imagine that. Uh, He was out there. He uh, Pretty much the same thing. 23 and 10. Uh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Pretty much the same thing, 23 and 10. And that, I think that's what we're going to see for him this rookie season. And that's, I think, is something that's just crazy all in itself. Right. Because what do we see five years from now? Mm-hmm. If 20, you know, 20 and 10 was his his bottom floor. Mm-hmm. It was him just walking, you know, him getting his baby legs. Was 20 and 10? It, it it just shows what he's capable of being in the future. Right. I just love the fact that they got those back-to-backs, man. This next game right here that I'm talking about and thinking about, it could be a possible NBA Finals matchup. What am I talking about? The Clippers and the Celtics. Clippers won 115-96. to Now, when I think about this game, think about what happened. Tatum, he was out there. Brown, he took it. He had a slow night. Horford. He had zero night, and uh, nobody else really stepped up. I don't even see 
Porzingis down here, whatever. But when you look at the Clippers, uh, Leonard was uh, 26 points, and then he had a whole lot more help. So what do you think about that? Um, just the Celtics, is they're not invincible. Um, we understand that. And these is the things that can happen. First of all, it can happen to any team. You can just have an off night all the way around. You, Derrick White, 0 for 8. Al Horford, 0 for 5. Jalen Brown, 3 for 13. The bench, uh, they came in efficiently-wise, but they just couldn't overcome that hump of not getting production from our top guys. Jason Tatum, 8 for 18, 21 and 11. Like, it was still inefficient, but he did his best to try to, you know, keep fighting. Um Okay. And one thing I like to talk about is as long as when you put that together like that, it's still what we do talk about from time to time is on a seven-game stretch, though. You know, like I said, everybody could have like a bad night. It just seemed to me like when you play these type teams and everything, you do want to give maximum effort. Sometimes it don't pan out that way and everything, but uh, that consistency of the offense there is kind of what I was kind of looking at. And it seemed like the Clippers right now are very consistent. Um, But if you look at them, too, James Harden was two for eleven. <laughs> you know he was two for eleven. Only had nine points. Uh, Russ Westbrook two for nine. I think he only had four. Um, but they got unexpected help too from Tice coming off the bench. Um, Coffee and Man fourteen. Yeah, and ten then, and eighteen. You know, so and then Kawhi Leonard he he was efficient at what he did, and it looks like they won the free throw battle as far as getting to the line, and those is free buckets. So it's just one of those. Both teams didn't play exceptionally well. They just played that much. They did that much more. They did that much better, just a little bit better than what the Celtics could muster up tonight. Because that was – that's the thing. Where Clippers played bad, the Celtics just happened to play horrible that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you. And this game right here that I'm about to talk about, man, it, it's still a smoking red hot game. The Lakers beat the Warriors, okay, 145 to 144, went to double time, double overtime in that. But here's the thing that stands out to me the most, okay? The Lakers are still hovering around 500, maybe one game above. LeBron had to play 48 minutes, and he had to pull out a triple-double with 36 points, 20 rips, and 12 assists to get this done in double overtime. Yeah. Uh, this I think the 48 minutes is not really a problem considering it is double overtime. Um, in the stat line, I just always contributed to him going up against Steph Curry. His, his greatest rival. Um, and we got another sequel to the amazing rivalry that we've been blessed to watch this far. Uh, great to see it. Um, and Anthony Davis still twenty nine and uh twenty nine and twelve. D'Angelo twenty eight. Austin Reeves gave us seventeen. We got fourteen and eleven from Rory and Hachimura respectively. Um, Christian Wood even tipped in eight points. So everybody did something other than turning Prince, mm-hmm. who says keeps always popping out to me as that guy who just played twenty four minutes and started this night with no points at all, three rebounds and one assist. You know, and four personal fouls. So mainly, you was just out there touching on people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that's what I just keep taking from the game is out of all the continuity that we are in continuity we've had on this team, why is he the one pillar mm-hmm. that we seem to be holding on to? Right. Am I missing something? It could be, but I don't know, you know. But my whole thing about it is when I look at this, right, 
Um, if if you hang around the 500 mark that whole entire time and everything, you're gonna find yourself in the play-in game. Yeah. Um, and that's we've 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 come in as underdogs and all that type. I think we was in play-in last year when we made this that long run. Uh, it you just hope that we would have figured it out to where this season is not that you keep having to hope that we pull it together at some point or we keep having to hope we figure it out because it's not like we're a bad team it's not like we look at ourselves as a bad team it's just we don't seem to go on some of these long win stretches that these other teams go on it's actually quite the opposite Mm -hmm. for some reason we seem to go on these long spouts of and that's what puts us in these floating around 500 go on these spouts of losing games we shouldn't lose and we might put two or three together, you know, but it's never looking like it's never at a point for these, you know, for these past couple of seasons, it's never been a point where we just out front look like a championship front runner. Mm-hmm. It's always we were in the conversation because of LeBron James, Anthony, just knowing we have these guys on the team. You're always in that conversation. But when you just look at the play of the teams, we've never looked like that front runner. Right, right. Um, the thing that concerns me before we go to the next one and everything and, and uh, for the games to watch is um, <clears throat> you remember at the beginning of the season and it, it quickly uh, faded away and dissolved was a LeBron uh, minute restriction. Um, I can't see him continue to play this many games and everything and, and continue to make any kind of strong run when it comes to the postseason, man, because it kind of it just kind of feels like we know who we are, you know, one of the greatest. Uh, but I just don't know if he's just going to simply have any gas left in the tank once it gets to that point, man, because I, he, I don't see him playing at this high level day in and day out and then and then really getting those, those games where you really getting the next other team's best shot. I just think what we have to start thinking is, this isn't something we've seen before. Yeah, we seen him come back last year after that ankle injury and look better. So I'm not going into the whole. Yeah, age is a factor. We do understand that. But while he's playing the game, while he's on the court, while he's unless they're saying he's not playing that night, I'm not going against LeBron James as far as health and and what he's physically able to do. Yeah, we understand the the, the vertical's probably lost a couple inches, things like that. But as far as can he go out there and give his best for 48 minutes, like we just seen in the playoff, I'm not going against that until I see that. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen that, a sign of that from LeBron other than maybe he doesn't jump as high. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, I got you. And like I said, and we don't want to see it if it get, the closer it gets to the playoff time, though. Yeah. Okay. All right, how about these games to watch is on tap? Uh, the Knicks playing the Hornets. Okay, listen, Suns, Heat. Uh, now, I think this right here is going to be a great matchup, baby. What you think about it uh, when you come to the Suns and the Heat? Uh, you, do you expect a good game out of Jimmy B? Has Jimmy B even been playing? And this, this Heat team is on a six-game losing streak. Well, he been in and out. You know what I mean. That's the thing. I don't. I don't. I don't know about this Heat team no more. Mm-hmm. I don't really. Big question mark for you now. Yeah, I'm not really sure about what's going on with this Heat team. Um, it looked like he playing. It don't. There's no reports of injuries or anything like that. Oh uh, yeah, he's been out there. But okay, my thing is, um, when is it just gonna be like? It's always Jimmy Butler shows up. 
the rest of the team don't really have that impact or the rest of the team goes crazy and Jimmy like they're the same thing about what we said about the Lakers in the regular season they don't look like front runners to do anything in the playoffs but they've always seemed to put it together when it matters the most but the thing that scares me about them is when you talk about the Lakers they do have arguably the greatest of all time they do have a guy who should be in defensive player of the year conversations year in and year out who can also give you 30 points game in and game out on the other side is Jimmy Butler and, and possibly Bam Adebayo mm-hmm. and we know how to re- you describe the rest of this team as blue collar the, the, the rejects that nobody wanted them everybody gave up those guys they don't have that luxury that you know the luxury of falling back on greatness mm-hmm. the, or the level of greatness that's on the Lakers team that gives people the comfortability to think they're going to be able to figure it out. And that's just how I look at the Heat. And especially when you go on six-game losing streaks like this, um, and then you go into a team against the Suns who, yeah, they wavered, but it's more of chemistry and things like that for them versus you guys have been together for a while now as far as the core of this team. This is a whole new thing for Phoenix. Right. And they still seem to... Look like a team that could be there in the end versus what the Heat look like right now. Yeah, Triple J plays tonight. Because uh, if Triple J plays tonight and everything, I still think he, he gives them a chance to win this thing and go ahead and pull it off. You know, because uh, he he is the Heat. <laughs> Listen, give me a score on that Suns Heat. Um, I'm gonna go Suns one ten Heat ninety eight. Okay, that's cool. Now, how about this Pelicans and Celtics matchup? Uh, you know, you got Zion doing his thing, Egram doing his thing, and then the Celtics, like you said, uh, they have a situation that's going on there. Well, they came off an L against those Clippers. We already know that and everything. I think that game may have took a lot out of them. But you know, how you feel about, um, first of all, Zion's progress now, because we, I wanted to check back in kind of on that, because at the beginning of the season, it's kind of back and forth, not really knowing where his head was at and how it was going to fit into the team. How you feel about his process and uh, what do you feel about uh, the winner of this game? Um, I think the whole Pelicans thing as a whole is just starting to take form. It's starting to come better. And when th- the situation becomes clearer in, in, in that aspect, of course he's going to look better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still just seeing him for a long period of time. And that's all you got to see. Because we know what he's capable of doing. It's just seeing him for a long period of time and seeing can he do that for – like for that long period of time. Um, but as far as who's winning this game, I still go Celtics just because you don't expect them to come out and put up another stinker mm-hmm. the way they did against the Clippers. Right. And like you say, the Pelicans, they holding fast six games above 500 and everything or whatever. So they kind of like in the middle of the pack. But we can always expect at least a, a good highlight reel. But I'm pretty sure they're going to give them a definite run for their money. I know how high you are on these next two teams and everything when it comes to the T-Wolves and all of that that goes on that and OKC. All right. We do know the youngest of the team of OKC. You mentioned that before. But when you think about the T-Wolves and you think about the OKC, what matchup are you wanting to watch? Um... Shay Anthony. Mm-hmm. Shay go up against uh, Anthony Edwards. Um, and I hope on both sides they take up that. Well, I can understand on Shay's side why he wouldn't guard Anthony. But I hope on Anthony's side he definitely takes up that, that role of guarding Shay. Um, but it's going to be a great game. And, and also, 
the matchup of Cat and, and shit. It's just a lot of great matchups in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, the offense of the Thunder going up against the defense of the Timberwolves. It's just a lot. And then with both of them being at the top right now, uh, this is another matchup in the playoffs we might be able to see. Um, if somebody, you know, depending on how seeding ever falls around. But who you got winning exciting. it? Um, I think the Thunder come out with it. Just that offense and how they get up and down. I think it negates what defensively the Timberwolves does best, and that's protect the rim. Okay, you shoot a score for me. Excuse me. I'm going to go 120, uh, Timberwolves 107. Okay. Now, check this out. We know how good uh, Wimby is playing in the San Antonio Spurs. Um, this hasn't been said a whole lot during this season, uh, but they're going up against the district with the Washington Wizards and everything. Uh, to me, when I look at this game, uh, this looks like a very winnable game for the San Antonio Spurs and everything. And the way with the double-double and what we, uh, Wimby can do, um, I, I see a lot of uh, upside to it because I really can't name a lot of people on, on uh, for the Washington uh, Wizards except Kyle Skuma. Uh, but uh, other than that, I don't I don't really know. Uh, but do you see uh, San Antonio pulling this one out? Um, yeah, it's a big possibility, especially with the way the team has developed going forward, the change of philosophy. Um, we're going to get to see the two brothers trading Tyus Jones go up against each other. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's the highlight of the day, other right. than Wimby. But um, I do think it's a possible game. Um, now, as far as the Wizards... Marvin Bagley came over to the Washington Wizards in the trade, um, and he's looked kind of rejuvenized. So that's an exciting thing for them, seeing what he can do going forward. Um, Jordan Poole still has not seemed to put it together, and I think that's what always is. I think that's what's going to bite them in the butt every time because mm-hmm. they they invested so much into into just bringing him in and making him the vocal point of what and just his play style as well because. You, you you was in that lineage, that lineage of a uh, Steph Curry. You went up under his wing, and we understand you like to shoot the ball. Right. When you're not putting the ball in the hole, you, you, it doesn't benefit us. I got you. I got you. Check this out. This game right here, uh, I, I'm really interested in this one because I think ever since the um, unforeseen exit of uh, Agent Griffin from the Bucks, I think with uh, with Doc Rivers, I think they went two and one. Is uh, what I'm looking at. Uh, uh, how, how do you feel about uh, the productivity uh, when it comes to this? Uh, because we got the Milwaukee Bucks against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, this game right here, this is a test game. All right, this game right here gonna mean a whole lot for everybody that's involved. Okay, you take you got your coach, you got you got Dame, you got Giannis, you got all this people here and everything and then you got the defending champions looking at you while you looking at them I really need you to chop this one up for us um so, so uh, this is a possible finals matchup as well uh I think both of these teams could end up making it there it's first off Giannis is a game time decision so that's going to determine a lot um but also I just want to see what I want to see more from the Nuggets team who not named Nikola Jokic. Because mm-hmm. right now he leads your team in points, rebounds, and assists. That's great. That's that's what he's probably going to do anywhere. But it's – and it seems like this year, more than, more than last year, it just seems like he is everything that Denver Nuggets is. And that's not going to get it done this year with how some of these other teams have came together. Mm-hmm. And with the Bucks, I just want to see – it's the same thing. I don't really think it's, and I, I don't want to say it this way. I don't really think it was a 
a a, a thing of system wise because systematically in Milwaukee is pretty much only one thing you can do is play through Giannis mm-hmm. and hope Dane makes his shots and that's just the way your team is it's play through Giannis so I don't really know how much the coaching change will affect that other than it had to be something in that locker room mm. that we didn't hear, we didn't see. Because that's the only thing. Because, like you said, they were um, in a great position as far as record-wise. They seem to be trending upwards, and then you make this decision. I don't think it was anything to do with the play style. And I don't think if Doc Rivers is smart, you don't come in and tinker too much with that. See, considering how they just started putting it together, right? With this game and everything, uh, who you see winning it and why? Um, Milwaukee Bucks, Denver Nuggets. If healthy, I think uh, the Bucks walk out, and simply because it means more. Um, I just think that they're going to have more of a statement to make. Damian Lillard, knowing now I am in a position to see you guys in our finals. Mm-hmm. I want you to know that you might have to see me in the finals. Um, Giannis just trying to get back to that mountaintop, going up against the guy who knocked you off of your MVP pedestal. Uh, you know, then Joel Embiid came, has rised up. Your team hasn't made that run again in a couple of, You know, things like that. I think he wants to make a statement. I think he wants to make a statement every game, just how he attacks the game. Right. And then, like we just touched on, Doc Rivers. Wanting to come on and establish, like, okay, this is my team, and we're just going to keep this thing rolling. Mm-hmm. I got you. Now, for the nightcap and everything and what we have, okay, um, uh, the 76ers against the Trailblazers, I'm not really worried about the matchup. It is what it is. The thing that I'm most concerned about, and we have talked about this time and time again, is the health of Joel Embiid. All right? that what concerned me. Because it seems like that has been the catalyst time after time after time and everything. Now, listen, injuries, they happen all the time. Okay, rest periods, take them. But when it comes to the health of Joel Embiid, so goes the 76ers. Maxi, he is who he is. All right, it's Tyrese. When it comes to Tobias Harris, he is who he is. And then we have the other players on the team. They are who they are. But the thing about it is, time and time again, whenever we come into a 76ers season, we worried about Joel Embiid and his health. Um, and that's just the that's it's just gonna always be that case just because of the early situations he was in with his health. Um but I think he's kind of I think it should quiet down a little bit just because of what he did last year as far as how he was playing. And this year, he hasn't really gone down with a significant injury. We got to understand the rule changes as far as rest, the rest games and things like that go. So, yeah, we're going to see a lot of injuries pop up. And the last game against the Nuggets, he wasn't injured until 15 minutes before the game. Right. So, a lot of these things, you just got to understand this. Protecting my guy. Um, things like trying to prevent having to miss him for a long stretch of game. Playing checkers instead of chess. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's all you... Unless he goes down and we hear he's missing the season again, I just think you 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 let him play his game. He's coming off MVP. The only thing we got about him now is getting past the second round. If right. he can make it to the second round, that's when the question should come up. 
And I think it's only about the second round. <laughs> so that means we got a whole lot more to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We would like to thank everyone for listening today. Please join us again on our next episode of the Donald. And Donald Podcast. Yes, sir. You know what to do. People, please, please remember to drink your water. And don't forget to stretch. And don't worry about your wind. Just know that it's coming. Absolutely. We're going to see y'all next episode. Double D. Yeah.